Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today as we wrap up the week here on Friday, September 25th of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. A major hurdle has been cleared by Texas Tech University as it moves toward opening a new veterinary medicine school in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. What features should ranchers look for in a drone? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories along with the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete wrap-up of today's markets. All of that's coming up later in the podcast, but first, here's a look at news headlines. A major hurdle is cleared by Texas Tech University as it moves toward opening a new veterinary medicine school in Amarillo. Texas Tech has just received what's called a Letter of Reasonable Assurance from the American Veterinary Medical Association, a document that essentially communicates AVMA's determination that Tech's vet school plan has the school on track to eventually receive full accreditation. Vet school dean Guy Lonaragan says this follows a very thorough review by AVMA. Everything from the physical facilities to the students to the finances, it is a very broad and all-encompassing set of standards. With this letter, Tech can now begin accepting applications from prospective students as the process moves toward the school's first ever semester in the fall of 2021. The interviews will occur sometime in early February, plus or minus a a few weeks. Offer letters will go out in March, the students will let us know in April, and then we have orientation in early August. Lana Reagan says approximately 60 students are expected to make up the vet school's inaugural class. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The cotton market has been hovering around 65 cents for several weeks now, and that has some market watchers a bit surprised. The reason for the surprise is that there is an estimated 74 million bales of cotton in the world available for export. That's a level that Gerald Nieper, president of TrueCot, says is an all-time record high. There's a lot of cotton available in the world markets. You know, if you do nothing else except that, you would be saying, what are we doing at 65 cents right now? We should be at 55, maybe even 45 cents. Yeah, but 2020, you know, this isn't a normal year by any stretch of the imagination. TrueCot president Gerald Nieper. Some ranchers are turning to drones to help manage their cow herds. So what features should you look for in a drone? Jessica Domel takes a look. Drones can be used to track your herd, visualize land change over time, and get to difficult-to-access areas. Dr. Megan Clayton, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Range Specialist in Corpus Christi, recently said in a webinar hosted by the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association that there are a few features you should consider before buying a drone for your farm or ranch. The first is battery life. Your smaller drones that a lot of people get just for hobby fun flying or for kids, those usually only fly about seven or eight minutes at the most, depending on your wind. These larger drones like the DJI Phantom, which is a fairly common drone, that one can probably fly for about 23 minutes or so, has a pretty good battery on it, and it handles wind fairly well. 
too, which down here in Corpus Christi is definitely a concern to us. You should also look into whether or not the drone can hover. So I thought it'd be really fun to buy a little drone to fly with kid groups when I do some of my presentations. And it turns out that most adults cannot even fly the drones very well that don't hover on their own, meaning you have to keep moving the toggle switches to keep that drone in flight. So after I hit a tree and it bounced off of several vehicles, I realized that hovering was a feature that was very, very important when you purchase one of these drones. Camera quality is also important. These cameras are amazing. For instance, you can buy a, a simple advanced version of the Phantom, or you, you can buy a professional version of Phantom that costs a little bit more. And the difference is that the video and the camera quality is a bit better in the professional. But if all you need it for is for surveying and looking around your place, then the regular version might be just fine for you because it's still a pretty good camera. Object avoidance is an important feature that can help keep your drone clear of trees, power lines, and other objects. Some come with preset and manual flight options. There are different types of drones. Clayton said that robocopters, which have the blades on each of the drone's corners, are more practical for a ranch. Fixed-wing drones tend to be more expensive and cannot hover to look at an object like a cow. You'd have to fly back over the area to get a better look with a fixed-wing drone. When pricing a drone, be sure to factor in whether you'll need extra batteries, an extra charger, and an extra memory card or chip to hold all of your images. You may also need software or an app to help you fly. One is Before You Fly app. This is FAA's or the Federal Aviation Administration who governs all of our airspace and they definitely govern our drone flights. They made this app, so it's kind of the go-to source. This app will tell you if there's any restrictions, flight restrictions, or anything going on at that time in your area that you're planning to fly. There are apps that can help you avoid magnetic fields, which can interfere with your drone's flight and the ability to communicate with the controller. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The fall calving season is here, and there's no substitution for preparation. One of the nation's premier beef cattle experts is Dr. Glenn Selk, just to the north of us up in Oklahoma. Rod Bain talked with Dr. Selk about the preparations you should be making as those fall calves start hitting the ground. As cow-calf operators and those involved in their operations get right into the fall calving season, what is perhaps the most important part of their calving kits? Oklahoma State University emeritus animal scientist Glenn Selk says it should be found near the kit itself in the calving shed or barn. What I would suggest is put up what I call a calving protocol. It's just a written plan in big print. I'd say putting it on a piece of paper that you can laminate because you want to tack it to the wall of the calving barn, the calving shed. And what makes this protocol important? Selk says it is the information it should contain, such as emergency phone numbers and contacts for those who can aid when medical events transpire during the calving process. Your local veterinarian's office number, perhaps if they're willing to share it, their cell phone number, any family member that you may want to get a hold of in a hurry to help you with assisting a cow or heifer, their cell phone number, the protocol should also list the stages of cow and heifer labor for guidance, and important with that, the average length of time expected in the calving process. This gives us a guideline as to how long we're going to watch. If she's not making real progress at that point in time, we probably better get her up, examine her, and see if there's something going wrong that we can make an adjustment to and apply some assistance and help her deliver it. 
Selk adds that the calving protocol should contain how-to procedures in the event assistance is needed in the calving process. You may remind them to not pull that calf until you check to make sure that the cervix was totally dilated, that the hips probably need a one-quarter turn in order to best match up with the opening of the pelvic opening as they go through the pelvic canal. Backwards calves, special situation there, they have to be delivered quickly. Generally, once you see the baby calf's tail showing up, coming out, and you're extracting that calf, that has to be done in four minutes or less in order to make sure that calf survives and how to get the newborn calf to start breathing. I always put a note on my protocol to briskly tickle the nostril of that baby calf, make him cough, sneeze, snort, whatever, to get those lungs opened up, get some air in there, and get that calf started breathing. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. We're wrapping up the first week of sign-up for the second round of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. CFAP 2 provides an additional $14 billion in financial relief for farmers and ranchers. Michael Clements reports from Washington. On Friday, the administration announced details of the new $14 billion Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, or CFAMP2, that will provide direct payments to farmers and ranchers to partially offset COVID-19-related losses for producers. American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist John Newton says the aid extends to new commodity categories. The second round of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program provides additional much-needed financial support for our livestock producers, our crop producers, specialty crop, as well as extending into nurse floriculture, specialty livestock, tobacco, and, and several other commodity categories. Newton says CFAP 2 provides much-needed relief for losses not covered in the original CFAP assistance. The first round of CFAP provided financial assistance to producers really through the April 15th date, which was right around the height of COVID-19 impacts. And this second round provides support for producers that had financial losses after that April 15th date and extends all the way through, in some cases, the rest of the year for dairy farmers, for crop producers, for livestock producers, it provides support based on inventory held on the farm operation from April 16th through the end of August. Newton provides more information about the program on AFBF's Market Intel page. The Market Intel page includes a breakdown of where the CFAP assistance is expected to go based on USDA analysis. It also provides commodity level specific payment information. The best place to get information on the CFAP program is at farmer the program opens for sign-up today and extends through December, so producers have plenty of time to get in and sign up for that second round of CFAP assistance. Find a breakdown of the CFAP 2 on the Market Intel page at fb.org. Michael Clements, Washington. Despite the coronavirus, a fundraising fishing tournament set a new record this year. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And taking a vacation can sometimes be more stressful than going to work every day. That can also be true for working horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains when we come back on Texas Ag Today. Do you know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. 
You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. I think we've all probably had the experience where taking a vacation is actually more stressful than showing up at work every day. That can also be true for a working horse. Dr. Bob Judd explains. A Spanish study recently looked at stress in horses that are off from work for a period or vacationing. When working horses move to a new pasture for a lengthy break from work, they are initially stressed by the change of location. After a few weeks, their stress levels tend to decrease and they can actually get some vacation time. It was believed that moving the horses from the working area would be the best method of giving them a break from the daily work schedule because a new area would have open spaces and no familiar working areas. However, Dr. Manuel Lopez Bayar indicated that the new space implied changes in daily management and nutrition plus less guided activity. Mammals respond to environmental stress with the release of cortisol. And the researchers checked resting cortisol levels in hair samples from eight Spanish stallions during a three-week off period. The researchers indicated hair samples can provide an overview of long-term stress, while short-term stress is determined by analyzing fecal and salivary samples. During the working season, these stallions were kept in box stalls, and for the rest period, they were turned out to pasture with unlimited forage, no set routines, no work, and were fed by different people and were around different other horses. I could see how this would be initially stressful, and there was a significant increase in hair cortisol to go along with this stress. Some of you may be considering giving your horse a rest. Resting is good, but any changes should be slowly integrated rather than an abrupt change. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Despite the coronavirus, a fundraising fishing tournament set a new record this year. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The Coastal Conservation Association of Texas annual star tournament brought in a record number of anglers this year. Dylan Sassman, assistant tournament director, said it was a banner year despite the coronavirus pandemic. We were kind of hesitant going into the tournament. Do we push forward with it? Do we delay it? But this year just it blew us away. Texas anglers really came out. We had a record year this year with almost 59,000 anglers signed up to fish the tournament. We could not be happier with it. And we're glad we were able to give something for Texans to go out and enjoy this summer when most other things were shut down. That beats last year's tournament record of 51,000 participating anglers. The funds raised from the tournament entry fees help fund CCA Texas coastal conservation efforts throughout the year. So our big push right now lately is habitat. We're constantly trying to fund oyster reefs, grass plantings along shorelines. Nearshore reefing projects has been a really big one with us lately. You know, Texas does not have much substrate fish habitat off our coast. So that's really been a big push for us. We fund hatchery programs. We just donated a few hundred thousand dollars to Texas Parks and Wildlife Hatchery and Corpus to fund flounder hatching efforts. Anything and everything we can to, you know, just make the Texas coastal resources better. Anglers are encouraged to find their local CCA chapter on the CCA Texas website for networking and other fundraising opportunities in their area. Sign up for next year's star tournament is already underway. If you get in early, we have an early bird drawing. We've got 20 prizes, and also we give away a boat as part of the early bird drawing. That was Dylan Sassman for CCA Texas. You can sign up for next year's star tournament on startournament.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. 
The cattle market started off the week heading lower, then at midweek we turned around and moved back higher. So how do we wrap up the week here on Friday? We'll take a closer look coming up next as we check the livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, it has been an up and down week for the cattle futures market. We had lower closes on Monday and Tuesday. We turned that around to move higher on Wednesday and Thursday, only to finish here on Friday in the red. Cattle futures lower across the board in both live and feeder cattle. We closed with October live cattle down 45, 107.57, December down 87, 111.40, February live cattle down a dollar five, 114.60. Feeder cattle seeing fairly big losses. October feeders down a dollar 95. 140.32, November feeders down 220 at 140.15, January feeder cattle down 207, closing at 138.82. Let's check the cash markets now. We'll start with fed cattle. We saw big numbers of sales occurring yesterday. All of those sales mostly at 105 on a live basis. If you look up in the Midwest, they sold cattle at 165 on the rail. Both of those prices one to two dollars higher compared to last week. So once again, holding out did pay off for the feedlots. They ended up squeezing another couple of dollars out of the market this week here at the end of the week. Boxed beef prices. Mixed with choice up a dollar seventy four two nineteen twenty two select down thirty seven two oh seven thirty seven. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now at Midtex Livestock in Anderson, Texas. They sold nine hundred seventy two head yesterday. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar twenty five to a dollar sixty eight. Three to four weight steers a dollar forty six to a dollar eighty five. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar forty-one to a dollar eighty-four a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar sixty-eight. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar fifteen to a dollar thirty-five. And the heavyweight seven to eight weight steers brought a dollar five to a dollar thirty a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty to sixty cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-five to eighty-five. Stocker cows, six hundred to fourteen fifty a head. Cow-calf pairs brought 800 to 1500 a pair. Carnes County Livestock Exchange in Kennedy sold 565 head yesterday. The trend was steady to lower. Two to three weight steers, $1.28 to $1.61. Three to four weight steers, $1.33 to $1.70. Four to 500 pounders, $1.30 to $1.68. Five to six weight steers, $1.26 to $1.50. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar nineteen to a dollar thirty-three. Seven to eight weight steers, a dollar twenty-one to a dollar thirty-two a pound. 
Slaughter cows, 28 to 62 cents. Slaughter bulls, 70 to 80 cents. Cow-calf pairs averaged 1,030 a pair. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took another big jump today. The October contract now above $70. It was up $227, closing at $71.75. December lean hogs up $1.15, $64.42. October Class 3 milk up $0.70, weight. Well, let's move over to the cotton market now. The cotton market just continues to seesaw back and forth. We've got a lot of factors pulling this market. You know, you have these huge world supplies right now that is keeping a lid on prices. In fact, you wonder how prices are still in the mid-60s when we have these record supplies out there all around the world. But we have all of this weather going on here in the country, and traders are just wondering how all of this weather is affecting both the quality and the quantity of this current crop that is yet to be harvested. Of course, a lot of rain, a lot of cloudy weather, a lot of rainy weather, all of that can delay development of the crop as well as affect the quality. We closed higher with December cotton up 49 points, 65.95. March cotton up 41, closing at 66.66. Kansas City wheat closed lower today, a stronger dollar and very little fresh news. Putting pressure on the market, we drifted lower today with December wheat down seven and three quarters, 475 and a quarter. New crop July wheat down seven and a half, closing at five dollars even. December corn was up one and three quarters, three sixty-five and a quarter. Natural gas closing lower October down eleven cents at two thirteen. The November down nine at two eighty. Crude oil lower as well. November crude down nine cents at forty twenty-two a barrel. And we'll wrap it up with the financials. Dow Jones up 363, trading at 27,179. The NASDAQ up 240, 10,912. The S&P 500 up 53 at 3,300. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another week of Texas Ag Today. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you listening. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about us. We're really trying to get the word out there and get more people to listen and download the podcast. So tell all your friends that it's out there. Show them how to subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating or a review if you like what you hear. That helps to get the word out on the podcast as well. We'll be right back here on Monday with all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Be sure to catch us then right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.